From 8th Street to 8 Mile Road, from I-5 to Highway 99, Podcast Stockton. Stockton. I love this town. Most miserable city? I don't think so. The show all about the great life in Stockton, California. This is Podcast Stockton. Welcome to Podcast Stockton for Monday, July 29th, 2013. I'm Susan Spraker. And I'm Matt Beckwith. Welcome back to all of our returning listeners. If this is your first time listening to Podcast Stockton, thanks for checking out the show. We'd love to hear from you, your feedback or ideas for future shows. Please contact us on our listener line at 565-3229 or email podcaststockton at gmail.com. Coming up on this episode, we introduce you to the rest of the Podcast Stockton team. We have a conversation with S.B. Vielma, founder of Cafe Coop, and Jack Dorsey, co-founder of Twitter and Square, visits Stockton. week it was great to meet all of our podcast Stockton listeners and uh, you might think that it's just Matt Beckwith and I in here doing this show but that that's not the truth at all oh contraire uh, it's, it's great uh, great having uh, having you as co-host Susan but it's not just you and I No, it's the team there is an actual team um, we want to take no I in team there is no I in team that's but there right. is an I in winning <laughs> <laughs> and we have um, with us today, a couple of folks that uh, make podcast stock and happen. We'll continue to make podcast stock and happen. If you've listened in the past, they are no strangers to the show. Um, we have Greg as our producer. And um, Greg, say hello. Hi. <laughs> and Greg, uh, Greg has uh, joined the ranks as our wonderful audio engineer and producer. Um, fits his personality very well. And uh, <laughs> on, the, uh, on the, the website, the guy that does all of our web work and make sure that we're produced and published and all that good stuff is uh, another friend of the show Manny Manny thanks for thanks for coming on board hey <laughs> and uh, both <laughs> of you guys have had uh, have had time um, uh, in the Outback studio on podcast doctor and you've been you've been fans before you were friends I guess or friends before you were fans something like that but um, you know I, I'm curious to know what uh, why, why would why would you guys want to help Susan and I put this show out well, I'm, I'm uh, a big believer in getting the message out uh, about what's going on in town, um, really talking about the positive parts of Stockton, and uh, that's sort of the moniker of Podcast Stockton, about the great life. So um, I just want to live that mission and, and get the word out there and be an outlet of information to, to the people in our community. I'd like to know, Greg, a little bit about what, what is your Stockton story? I know you're fond of Stockton, as we all are, and so what, what's your history here? Uh, born and raised, uh, Lincoln graduate, like you. Excellent. Go Trojans. Go Trojans. <laughs> um, I, I really got seriously involved um, in my community probably about five or six years ago. Uh, I really am sort of a, a cheerleader and champion for Stockton and for quality of life. Uh, my background is I've done event 
promotion. Um, mm -hmm. I produced uh, the Miracle Mile Night Street Festival and Car Show two years in a row in 2009 and 10. Um, I'm associated with and um, help run some things at the Stockton Empire Theater. I am um, honored to serve on the University Neighborhood Renaissance Committee, um, which is focused on um, improving quality of life and addressing issues uh, with neighbors and neighborhoods in the central Stockton area around UOP and Boars Park and the Miracle Mile area. Um, so I just I just try to do stuff to make our life a little bit better. Um, I'm very passionate about this city. Uh, it's obviously my home and uh, I just want to do my part to make it better. One of the other things uh, that I get to do is um, I serve as a community advisory board member with the chief of police's um, uh, community advisory board. Great, good stuff. And Manny, if I remember right, lifetime Stockton, lifetime Stockton resident. Right, born and raised also. And uh, if I and since we're since we're blurring out uh, high schools, uh, Franklin, <laughs> Franklin, right? Right, right. <laughs> and member of Franklin the Franklin uh, High School. Franklin High School member of the marching band. Marching band, jazz band, <laughs> whatever. I <laughs> uh, love those old pictures of you and the saxophone. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, I mean, you 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 were there um, uh, not from the very beginning of podcast talking, but. Uh, Shortly thereafter, right, um, right. I think it was around two thousand eight or two thousand nine, somewhere in there. That's yeah. when I met you. Yeah, right around there. And the only reason and the only way that I got involved was because uh, I signed up for Twitter when Twitter first kind of got popular. And there I was looking for people, you know, here in Stockton, and that's how I came across you. Yeah, we met. We met. Uh, on Twitter, and then one day we messaged each other and said, "Let's play golf," because we were both into golf and right. both into technology. Yeah, and we've been golfing ever since. And we've been playing ever since. Right. And uh, you know, you also um, uh, you were a big part of helping the uh, podcast Stockton's first, and I'm not going to say only because maybe someday we'll do another one. But our first live show, podcast right. Stockton live at the right. Way Out West Barbecue, um, you were instrumental in producing that in real time. Um, that was not <laughs> was not an easy job. Producing a live show in front of a uh, front of live people that was a uh, good times, right? So, my involvement in the in the community or here in Stockton isn't as extensive as Greg's is, but um, I think my my involvement is kind of more like uh, behind the scenes, you know, in the background. You know, a lot of things I do, I do it because you know through association of you, you know, and the things that you're kind of doing and that you're involved with. You know, like you said, I helped out with the podcast before. I've participated in like uh, um, like community center for the blind, you know, and functions like that that you are heavily into. So a lot of times I may not be the front man or the guy out and you know in the front of everybody doing the speaking or anything like you do, <laughs> or like Greg does. But I do, you know, play a you know a smaller role, and and I do try to do a little bit of here and a little bit of that. This well, don't don't say yourself short, Manny. Uh, you and I have been friends for a long time now, and you are always one of those guys that you're uh, you're skilled in a whole lot of things that I could never be skilled in, and you are always there to help out a neighbor and help out somebody in need, and uh, you you do so uh, all the time without asking for money or without asking for fame and uh and, and all of that good stuff so you um you certainly fit in well with uh with this wild group of podcast <laughs> stockton ninjas <laughs> well i do i do like being here it's it's fun and i think it's uh i think it's a worthy cause and you know everything to show you that everything that you put on the show 
is positive and I'm all for it. Wow, we're lucky to have such ambassadors in this room. Yeah, and and clearly, you know, as we've said, uh, uh, we've said off air a lot, but at the beginning of this segment, I mean, it's not just you and I, Susan, and there's no way. No. There's no way that it could be having somebody dedicated to doing the web stuff and someone dedicated to doing doing the production stuff. Um, And the collaborating. I mean, I just think collaborating is so important in a community, in a a project like this. Um, I mean, that's that's one of the best parts, really. One one of the things that I've greatly enjoyed in the history of podcast Stockton is uh, every time me and Matt would get together, I'd have a list of names (laughs) of people that he should interview. And so uh, I I always enjoyed that because I'm out there and there's tons of interesting people in in this community. And um, the more the the great thing about us having a team is now we have a bunch of people to to get a sampling and to get different areas of what's going on in our our town. And so it's not just Matt. It's not just Susan. It's it's the whole team here that's going to be able to pull in our collective experiences and really put together you know continuing the quality of the show we've had diversity diversity is good so if you're wondering what is podcast stockton maybe you're a new listener and we hope you are and you bring lots more with you um podcast stockton you can plan on hearing from us every two weeks we're going to release a show yeah every other monday so today well not today when you hear this because the beauty of podcasting is you can listen to it anytime but uh, this show is coming out on the 29th of July on Monday. Every other Monday, um, we are giving our scouts honor. Every other Monday, you will get a new episode of Podcast Stockton um, released wherever you get podcasts. Some of the things I we're going to talk about are um, business and restaurant reviews. We're going to talk about important Stockton topics, um, what's fun to do in Stockton, Um yeah, and uh, you know we and interviewing local um, interesting people. Every once in a while, we interview a non-interesting. No, that's not true. No, we'll no, uh, no. Uh, interview um, interesting folks, and that's the that's part of the show where our listeners come in. I mean, clearly, if you have a show topic, um, if you have if you have feedback for us, if you don't like what you're hearing, or you want to hear more of something or less of something, we want to hear that. And there's there's lots of ways to get in touch with us. You can go to our Facebook or go to our Twitter, both our username, Podcast Stockton. You can send us an email, podcaststockton at gmail.com. You can call our listener line 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and no phone rings. You can just leave a message at 565-3229. And leave us a message. Um, if you want to come on the show and you have a story to tell, give us a call. Get in contact with us. Um, we'd love to talk to you about it. If you if we cover something and you feel like we have missed it, like you're listening to an episode where we talk about live music and you're screaming at your uh, at the podcast because we failed to mention the Garlic Brothers, like how in the world did we, did miss, we the miss the Garlic that? Brothers? I, don't know. I love going to the Garlic Brothers for live music. I know you go to the um, Susan. I know you go there. I have been there, um, Greg. The first time I ever saw your favorite band, the Mondays, was at Garlic Brothers. I don't know how we missed that. But if you're screaming at the podcast because we missed something, call our listener line, 565-3229, or send us an email at podcasttalking at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your show ideas, um, topic ideas, feedback, all that stuff. So much shining bright on
I'm joined today by S.B. Vielma, the founder and chief executive officer of Cafe Coop, a collaborative workspace located in beautiful downtown Stockton. Uh, S.B., thanks for joining me on the show today. Thank you. So uh, right off the top, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about what Cafe Coop is and um, what, what your mission is? Basically, um, it is a collaborative workspace. It is... Um, a 6,000 plus square foot building in downtown Stockton where we have like-minded organizations, individuals, for-profits and non-profits that come together and utilize the space to work and to create positive change in Stockton. And we're basically trying to fuel ventures that matter is our tagline. And, um, and, and it's, it, it's a quiet professional place that people can access um, the internet and conference rooms and a um, cafe style work area. Um, that's in a nutshell basically what Cafe Coop is. And we house, um, we have events every month for our members. It's all membership based. And, um, and we also open up to the community every month through our, um, our monthly events such as our first Friday events and our marvelous Monday events. Great. So when you say collaborative workspace, I can't help but think the f first thing that pops in my mind is a co-work facility. And when I think of a co-work facility, I just think of a room with a bunch of tables where people can come in whenever they want to, once they've paid, obviously, and um, use the space to work. There's a very different feel, a very different vibe here than just a room, an empty room full of tables. Why don't you describe... Um, what, what the difference between a traditional co-working facility and, uh, and the cafe is? Basically, the members here um, want to be here. They want to collaborate. So we have individuals who have um, businesses that deal with social media, and then we have individuals that are dealing with music, and so they have a music studio, and we have um, folks that work on uh, bicycle policy for the city, like the San Joaquin Bike Coalition, and then um, we have uh, an acting uh, group or organization, Creative Dream Society. So everybody, the main focus is that they want to create some type of positive change, not only for their organization or them as individuals, but for the city itself. And so being that, that is the vibe that's taking place, and it's accentuated by the artwork that changes up every month, and the fact that it is, um, it's not a traditional workspace. One of the things that we say, it's like it's not your dad's office, like you just <laughs> described. So, um, in being that, it's it's open to um, exchange ideas, and um, and interchange and try to help each other out. And then what we try to provide for our members is um, what they need to succeed. So if they need, um, we're, we're going to start doing a series of workshops for our Marvelous Monday where we have 
We'll provide, we have a potluck style food, but then we're going to have different speakers come in. We're going to have um, council member tubs come in and do like a business 101 Google, Google style because it's kind of the environment that we have. And then we're going to have other speakers that are going to come in because a lot of the um, organizations that are here are young professionals. So they're just starting out. So I think that's the difference is that everyone's here and working together in that common goal. Yeah, definitely. Coming in here, um, there is that there is that vibe of, of design and art and talent and creativity. And there's, you know, there's with the, the art that you have on display and just it, it, it's it's very different. I love the expression that it's it's, it's not your father's office. It's very um, uh, I was going to say modern, but that's not the right word. It's, it's a little more well, a little more. It's a lot more creative. So I think you guys have done well to do that. Can you tell me? Um, you know how long you guys have been open, and what your um, and what the you know, what the original goal was, or what got you started in doing this kind of work. Well, Cafe Coop itself has only been open since um, end of January, beginning of February. The office spaces prior to that, there were only some founding members, which was San Joaquin Bike Coalition, Frankenmuffin, and um, Friends of Lower Calaveras River. And that was in January. So we had a strategic planning in Lake Tahoe and came together. And then we looked at different um, models, Seattle Hub, the hub in um, the Bay Area, as well as um, the Urban Hive in Sacramento. So being that some of those are a little bit fancier for the likings of what we were trying to do and then just what in Stockton would embrace, what we thought Stockton would embrace, we went with a mixture of what we thought would fit for Stockton. So in terms of providing that workspace and having the different, uh, the, the membership fees starting at $25 all the way to the office members. So we opened the doors up and started welcoming people through our Marvelous Monday potlucks where they could come in and they could check out the facility, enjoy some free food, and um, they could meet some of our members. And then we also added a signature event with one of our co-founding members, Ellen Powell, suggested we have First Fridays. So First Fridays was gonna be a bigger event. We changed the artwork, and then uh, each organization can take a lead on it, and it's a different theme with the food and the art, and it's open up to the public. All the members come in, and um, and so from that first Friday that we had, it was about 100, 150 people that came in through that, and all of our office members came in either through First Friday or through Marvelous Monday. So um, that's what we that's so from basically February to now is from this month we filled up all the office spaces. And, um, and now we have general members who are coming in, the $25, $55 members that have their, they're starting out small businesses, what have you, but they only need that cafe style workspace and use the conference room once in a while. And um, so prior to that, Zach Court, the owner of the building, wanted to do a, um, an artist type of co-op. And, um, and the artists were excited and we had a lot of artists. The building was completely raw and we had two events. We had about um, 150 people at each event and we had about 20 to 25 artists. The problem was the artists did not want the office space or the membership. They wanted to display their artwork, but they weren't interested in assisting and trying to do either for-profit for or non-profit in terms of fueling um, 
the whole idea of, or venture. So we revamped it in January because obviously that wasn't going to work out because it, the co-op part of it was so intricate. It was nonprofit. There's so many rules and regulations that go along with being a co-op. And so it was just too confusing. So then that's when we revamped it with our all the founding members in January and came up with Cafe Coop <laughs> so that we wouldn't have to change things too much. So that's what we did. And then everybody liked that whole idea, the whole collaborative workspace. Yeah, that's good. I love the play on words, uh, Cafe Coop. Um, so you, you touched briefly on um, a couple of different levels of membership of, of somebody that just needs a workspace versus someone who needs an, an office space. Can you talk a little bit about what um, you know? What you get at the at the, the basic level, um, and compare that to what you might get if you're paying at a higher level, or the ones with the office. So basically, what we have is um, we start like at the twenty-five dollar membership. There you get five days of cafe style workspace, and you have access to all the other um, benefits, the other rooms, what have you. There's just addition, some additional costs for that, but you get. As a, all the members get fresh roasted coffee because we have Jesus Mountain Coffee in the back. So the roasting company, um, he is a tenant of the building. And so we have the coffee for our members always. And it's a self-serve type of thing. So the artisan is, that's the $25 a month. If people need an address, a business address, they're trying to start their business. We have a couple of people that are fit that situation where um, they basically... They might be working full time. Some of them are working in the Bay Area and they're starting. They also have always wanted to be a masseuse or something along those lines. And they want to develop their clientele, but they don't want to go into a full office space. So then, but they need a business address to separate from their home and be able to see clients. So the $55 membership allows them to do more of that because it's unlimited work days and they get the mailing address. And then the, um, the third option prior to the office space is the Vienna. Everything's named after, um, coffee roast and so the Vienna is 165 a month and that's um, full access to the building 24 7 keyed um, they have keyed access to the building and they have everything that all the other members have they have um, they have the the Wi-Fi and then but they have certain hours that are given to them conference room wise they also have they're able to host a free event in the building so the other two prior memberships, the $25 one and the $55 one, they can as well because they're members, but they just have a fee that's associated depending on where they would um, have their event, upstairs or downstairs. And the, um, the, the 165, the Vienna and the office members, they, they receive one free event a year that they can utilize. And that's to help them because sometimes they need to have a fundraiser or an event to assist their organization or their business to increase capital for themselves. So then that's how we try to assist them is that they can have that one free event. And because otherwise they'd be paying some, you know, some other fee at another location. And then uh, you have a wonderful conference room located uh, right in the middle, right when you walk in. It's a, um, a nice size, gorgeous conference room with a display and a projector and all that good stuff. And, and even, at the lower levels, people are able to reserve that conference room? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the lower level, they can reserve it. They're going to have meetings with clients, and they want to put 
on the Apple TV their notes or they have a video or what have you, they can reserve the conference room. And so, um, and they could just, everything's online. Everything that they do is online. When they register is online, when they reserve the conference room is online. And it just makes it easier because this way there's no conflict in scheduling. And so, yeah, what we're trying to do with the conference room is like also make it artistic. So we're going to add some history of Stockton. We're going to add some photos and blow those up and put those in there. And um, besides having the technology, which is the um, all the, the Apple TV and what have you, that's in there. But everyone has access to everything here. It's just a matter of that's the only structure part is we just kind of give each other like respect the space and we do it all through um, the online reservations okay so are you originally from Stockton um yeah well I grew up in Stockton I was born in Merced but I grew up my entire life in Stockton I grew up in Southside Stockton um, I went to Webster then and I was bused from the south side of Stockton to Webster I grew up near 8th Street and um, airport and so um, I went to Webster. From Webster, I went to Stagg High School, then went to Delta, and then went on to um, UC Berkeley, and then graduated from Berkeley. And um, after Berkeley, I went, because I'm a Woodrow Wilson Fellow, so I went to USC to start my master's in public administration and stayed in Los Angeles working for almost 15 years. And I worked there with... Um, some of the nonprofits, but I also worked primarily in the legal area for a couple of attorneys that um, I still actually still work with when they have clients in Northern California. And um, so then that the legal background, I did the whole entire time I was there. But what I did was um, besides administering their office, doing paralegal work for them, I was always working with a community and, and I did citizenship classes and then we did an intensive college prep program for um, first generation Latinas going on to the university and prepping them. So we did three cohorts of students that I'm still in touch with now who went on some of, all of them graduated from the university and they, some of them went on to do their masters. And um, so I'm still in touch with them through Facebook. We're still friends. Mm -hmm. And um, so what basically, I would always come for holidays, but my parents are still here. So my mom would always tell me, why don't you do what you're doing in Los Angeles for Stockton? Because since this is your hometown, everything you're doing there, you should be doing in Stockton. Mm -hmm. And so um, that was that was basically part of the, the reason that I came back here. I didn't think that I was going to be doing what I'm doing now, Cafe Coop. It was only supposed to be Common Grounds, the yeah. cafe that's coming, that's barely coming, the student-run cafe, yeah. that storefront. That's all I was supposed to do at the initial meeting. But and that's all you thought you were going to do. That's all I thought I was going to do. But what happened was that when they asked me about who knows how to do a co-op, and then I came prepared thinking I'm coming to this meeting with the building owner, with all these executive directors of nonprofits that were that wanted to be a part of what the owner envisioned that that artist co-op, and so I came prepared with my iPad, my notes, and you know my full-on suit. To, you know, I thought we're we're meeting with the building owner, so we have to make sure we you know present everything properly. And I got here, <laughs> and everybody was like just here to talk, and nobody had any kind of like presentation materials, so. He kind of zoned in on me. And then since he grew up in Berkeley, Zach Court, then he was like, okay, so let's make this happen. And so it just it, it evolved from there. 
And like I said, in the first couple of months, the, the artist co-op part wasn't going to work out financially. <laughs> well, that's great. So, um, uh, you know, you were at, uh, you're 235 North San Joaquin. You're just south of Minor. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's downtown Stockton, but it's, it's probably what, m what many might consider the part of downtown Stockton that they might not go wandering late in the evening. Um, are you finding that as a, as, as a challenge to get people to come to your events on the, your Friday events and your Monday events? No, we haven't had any problems with regards to recruiting people to come to downtown Stockton. And it's been from business owners to, um, so it's like individual entrepreneurs, professionals. Um, almost all the city council has come to all of our events. And um, even before that, some of them were city council, they came to some of our events when the building was completely raw. And there haven't been any problems or issues. I, didn't, I haven't heard anyone really say, oh, I don't want to go because it's in downtown Stockton. And I think that the reason that, like with the whole vibe of everyone being here, the, all of the different um, organizations and individuals feel the same way. So they feel, since they're um, Stocktonians, that they should be able to walk around their city. So I think it's the attitude part of it that even if there is any kind of other element that's in any kind of big city, Los Angeles, New York, DC. When you're walking around at night, mm -hmm. it's not just people who are going out and you know having dinner or what have you. There's other people around, but if you, it's the attitude of the folks that are there, and that's the same attitude that the members have here. And I think it just mm -hmm. then, as folks come in for our events, then they feel like they're. They've said they feel as though they're somewhere else, like they're in the Bay Area. And um, so we so we haven't had any kind there's there hasn't been any hindrance in folks moving to come to an event because it's in downtown Stockton. Yeah, well, I came to your um, first Friday event um, in June and uh, it was my first exposure to, to you and to the uh, to the cafe and, and it was packed and it was packed um, up until the up until the very end. And, and it was great to see. That many people, and I parked six blocks away. So when I left, I walked six blocks to where I had I had parked my car early that morning. So um, it, it's it I certainly would would see the same. It's a beautiful location, um, not just in downtown Stockton, but on the inside. And do you, do you know anything about? <coughs> sorry. Mm -hmm. Do you know anything about the what the building was before what it has been in the past? Tell me a little bit about that. The building prior to us was Vision Printing, and so um, the gentleman, the owner of that company, um, they have a storefront now in the DSA building or in Dan Court's building, and they have their business now on the east side. And so they um, have welcomed us in terms of printing, and whenever we have anything, they'll discount for any of our members. Um, because of the fact that they were here in the building. So that's who was here before was Vision Printing and I think some other organizations were there along with them. I've heard and we haven't found out historically that there was because of the fact that the upstairs garage has a huge turntable that is from the 1920s and there's another one that's downstairs and that one we have it covered up because people are walking on top of it. And so we have it just covered up with some wood and then carpet. but those turntables, supposedly it was a, a Hudson dealership 
So there's this one young man that's part of the Pride Center, and he was trying to look up whether or not it was a Hudson dealership, but hasn't been able to find anything with regards to that. And when we're talking turntable, we're not talking your record player. We're talking about a large um, mechanism where you're putting a vehicle on to to move it around Mm -hmm. to get it to to store more vehicles in Mm -hmm. a small spot, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. Okay, well, that's why I asked the question. Because when yeah. I was here last time, I, somebody had tipped me off to there being some potential story about what this building could have been. And I think, I don't know how old the building is, but it certainly um, uh, looks like it could have been used for something like that. Yeah, I believe the building is like 1920s. And so, um, and the, and the, yeah, exactly. The turntable is huge. And then it's, it's for the cars to turn, it's to turn the cars around. And then there's a pit upstairs in the parking garage. And then the parking garage is, is it probably could have been a showroom because it looks, because we've had events up there as a venue space. So I think that, um, that part of the history we haven't found out, like I said, the young gentleman, Matt from the Pride Center, he's helping us and he's uh, like a history buff. And so he's helping us with some of the um, the history because we're going to in August have our first Friday is going to be Stockton history is going to be the theme for the artwork, and focusing in on Prohibition era. And so afterwards, I just we just secured um, we're going to have a speakeasy at French Twenty Five <laughs> on the rooftop. Nice. So then this way people, um, and it's just to help raise funds for the whole center here. And so to have it so that we're going to have that afterwards. We're going to have a, a private party for people who want to join us. And that's going to be a, a speakeasy. Wow. <laughs> that's great. Okay, so you mentioned that you worked in Southern California for uh, for 15 years. What's changed in Stockton? Um, I know you still have family here, but what, what change have you seen or changes have you seen in the 15 years you were you were working in Southern California, what's changed up here in Stockton? Well, I think the big changes are all on the waterfront, like with the Weber Point, with the um, the professional field or the semi-professional field for the for baseball and the arena, the waterfront hotel um, or University Plaza Hotel. Uh, all of those have um, have changed in downtown Stockton specifically, and um, it's, I think it looks wonderful. It's it's very welcoming. One of the first things that we did was um, we had an event with the Stevens Yacht Classic, the, the um, Classic Yacht Club. They had an event at the waterfront, and they wanted artists to do um, live renditions of their yachts. Mm-hmm. So when I went there, I had to, um, they wanted us to also take pictures. So I was with one of the photographers and we were going to all the yachts to take pictures. And so as you go onto the docks, everything is decorated in detail. Like all of the, um, as you go onto the docks, it has metal work. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's metal work on all of the docks. And so the, um, the owners of the yachts were saying that it was really nice because obviously they go to a lot of ports. And so um, they dock their boats at different locations throughout the U.S. And they were saying how this one is really nice and it's in terms of our whole waterfront. And it's just underutilized. But I think that there is a renaissance that's taking place. And then perhaps that there will be more people utilizing the space downtown, the whole um, fountain that where the kids can like they're at right now um, in terms of like, you know, running through that. And, and then there's also in terms of just the development of downtown Stockton, what's taking place is um, with 
the the new restaurant there, French Twenty Five, and then with um, Zach Court and Dan Court, Dan Court in terms of working on the on the whole like resurgence of downtown Stockton, and then all of these young entrepreneurs that want the same thing. In certain sense, instead of building out of what was happening before, that was that was happening. We were building out of the city, you know, onto the farmland. And then, but, and everyone was leaving downtown. And now it seems as though, like, coming back, everyone wants to come back to downtown and make it what it was before. Yeah, you use the word renaissance, and that describes what you're doing down here as well. So um, uh, I think that goes very well with that. Okay, so it looks like you have a, a pretty packed house here. Um, talk to me about uh, space availability. Are you accepting uh, new members? Yes, we are. We're accepting members, which are the Artisan, the City, and the Vienna. So they range from $25 to $165 membership, depending on the need of the prospective member. And the um, office spaces are currently filled, but we do have a waiting list, and we may potentially have an additional build-out that will take place where we'll be able to meet the needs of those office members but we have a waiting list for the office space and um, but our general membership we are still open and we are able to accommodate folks that want to work in that cafe style environment and have access to um, the conference room the wi-fi the roasted coffee and everything else that goes along with that yeah great so we were talking before about uh, that that type of membership being perfect for somebody that you know, that, that is finding themselves going to Starbucks to use their Wi-Fi and then going to Kinko's for, you know, that, that type of service and that that's really perhaps what you might be um, catering toward. Is, is there any, anything else about the, the maybe the ideal um, type of member or somebody that this would work perfectly for? It's for individuals or organizations that are um, sometimes starting out, and like you said, they have to meet at different places. They have to do their printing at Kinko's, or they have to go to the internet at Starbucks. But then they also sometimes have to meet at restaurants when they're meeting with with more individuals that are either clients or if they're or a nonprofit. So this provides a space for them to come in. It's secure. They have. Um, they have an access code, and then they have access to the printing, the copying, the coffee, and um, and then they can also collaborate with the other members as well. So I think that those individuals that are kind of running around town trying to like start up their business, or um, and they're toying around the idea of starting up their business, can try it out through um, Cafe Coop. Okay, great. So uh, what's next? What, what do you have on the horizon for Cafe Coop? Next, we have um, Common Grounds, and that's going to be a student-run cafe that'll be at the front entrance. So Cafe Coop will actually have a cafe, and that student-run cafe will be students that um, were from high school all the way through um, college university students, and they will be able to coalesce with one another, but they'll be in an intensive internship program where um, the students will be mentored by professionals in the areas of study that they're in, but they will also have a um, 
a barista training that we're trying to make intensive as well so that they can take these skills and go on to wherever it is they're going to go on to later on and so it'll serve a purpose in their life and so the common grounds is the storefront that we're going to have we're going to try to provide as many international style coffees so like a Turkish coffee a Cuban coffee a Vietnamese French coffee and it's all in one situation same thing with the foods that we'll have through the cafe we're trying to have that international flair that we have here in Stockton and then trying to have a little taste of it here at the common grounds and at the same time providing that internship job style for the students so serenity is a nonprofit that's housed here and they will be um, working with us and providing the students and putting together the um, the cafe and then some other individuals that are working with us from um, the Blackwater Cafe and Pete's Coffee to help us train the students that are committed to that because they're excited about doing something like this in Stockton. Okay, that sounds great. You got lots of uh, lots of stuff going on here. Um, you know, again, you're, you're located at 235 North San Joaquin, just south of Minor. Um, folks can find you on the web at cafecoop.org. Also, uh, Facebook and Instagram, username Cafe Coop. And, of course, we'll have links in the show notes at podcaststockton.com to all the places you can find out and learn about, um, about Cafe Coop. SB, thanks for so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. That was on for about 10 minutes about how he's on his journey to find his replacement. Said I fit the bill. How would I feel about being a bad guy having a robin' steal? I said, I don't know, it's a tempting offer. What about those stinky coppers? No such thing. Strawberry plan, so I'll be the man if I listen to his plan. So I am the cure for the man, and I do the very best I can. Jump around, I make perfect fans arising. Strawberry plan. On July 17th at Valley Brew, we had the great fortune to attend the Let's Talk Stockton program um, that featured Jack Dorsey, the co founder of Twitter and Square. And what a great event. Yeah, it certainly was, and um, you and I and, and Greg got a, a chance to meet Jack, as the Twitter world knows him, at Jack, because he has a, a very um, uh, sought-after username. I guess when you're the founder of a, of a company, you get a, an easy Twitter handle, but um, started Twitter back in uh, 2006. He sent the first tweet, I think it was setting up my Twitter, <laughs> and uh, then started Square um, in 2009. and. After a short introduction from the Mimi Nguyen at the Miracle Mile Improvement District, uh, Jack took the stage. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you for having us, sir. We're so late. We completely underestimated the, the traffic coming out of San Francisco, and it is really hot here, which is <laughs> not something we see in, uh, in SF. It's very nice. Um, we wanted to really make this around a conversation, but start with just some, some stories, some, some things that I've learned along the way, and then really make it a dialogue. Um, and not just for questions, but also for ideas. One of the things I've, I've found is that um, as we've been building Square, how important it is not just to give tools to local businesses, but also help provide venues for them to converse, have a conversation. I think we've lost this um, across the country. We've lost the fabric of our neighborhood. We've lost the fabric of these support structures for folks to just share tips and just share simple ideas. And that's been something that's so great around Silicon Valley is that there's a huge culture of mentorship, of support, of just sharing mistakes, sharing ideas. 
and, uh, and pushing each other to do better and better things. So the more we can do that here and all of America, the, the, the better the country is going to be for it, the better Congress is going to be for it. So. Uh, what was great about Jack Dorsey's um, introduction right from the top is he talked about how the importance of neighborhoods and the fabric of our communities and mentorship and that this evening would be a conversation, uh, not just a speech from him, but a conversation about um, getting tips from each other, learning from each other, and uh, that, that really spoke to me. I thought it was a great start to a great evening. Yeah, not to mention that he, he it's not just a small thing of the neighborhoods, but that getting the neighborhoods and the communities right have an impact on our economy as a whole in this nation. I thought that was pretty important as well. Right. One of the quotes I've always loved um, was, the only good quote Steve McQueen ever said, which is, when I believe in something, I fight like hell for it. And this is the core of every entrepreneur. The definition of entrepreneur actually means to take significant risk, usually significant financial risk in order to build something, right? And this is the spirit. When you believe in something, when you want to see something in the world, you do whatever it takes to see it in the world. If you have to learn programming, you learn programming. If you have to learn how to run a business, you do that. But it's all in service of what you believe in. It's all in service of that passion. And here, Jack shares his thoughts about the core of entrepreneurship. Fundamentally, I think all entrepreneurs do things for very selfish reasons. You have an idea, you want to see it in the world, and you do whatever it takes to make it real. But at the same time, you're making a bet with the world. And the bet you're making is that other people want to see the same thing, right? So you're building something for yourself, and the bet you're making is that other people want the same thing. And sometimes you lose the bet. I lost the bet many, many times. Sometimes you win the bet. So it's just a question of that, that perseverance and making sure that you're doing all these things. I thought it was interesting when Jack talked about how his early fascinations with cities and maps really drove his ideas. For me, my idea was, again, seeing the world, but seeing the world in a very particular way. My parents always stood by St. Louis, Missouri when everyone else was leaving the city and leaving for the county. They stayed in the city. And that just developed this fascination and obsession in me around cities and how they work specifically. And I fell in love with maps. And I would look at maps when I was a kid, very, very young, and I would just wonder what was happening at that particular street corner, or what's going on over there, or how do you get to this particular area. Um, and, you know, are there cars driving around and, and all these other things. And those early ideas, it was interesting to find how those morphed into the early concept of what would eventually become Twitter. So the idea for Twitter came from that simple aspect of what if anyone could report where they are and what they're doing and where they're going, and they could do it from anywhere. And I tried to build this in 2000 in San Francisco when I was living in in Oakland in the Sunshine Biscuit Factory, right next to the <laughs> airport. Um, and uh, a very simple service. I had a little, the first RIM 850, which was the first BlackBerry. It was an email pager. I, would, I wrote a simple little program in a weekend. Again, only what I needed to do, only what I needed to learn to make it work. And I would send an email to that program and it would go out to all my friends. So I went to Golden Gate Park, I went to the Bison Paddock, I typed out, I'm at the Bison Paddock in Golden Gate Park. And I went out to all my friends and I quickly learned two things. Number one, no one cared. Number two, no one else had a Blackberry. So it was the wrong time. I put the idea back on the shelf and that was it until 2005 
when SMS, text messaging, got really big in this country because for the first time ever, you could send a message from Verizon to Singular. You could send messages between carriers. Europe had this for 10 years. We were just getting it in the United States, right? So. Jack talks about what inspires creativity. Uh, it had this beautiful constraint of 160 characters, and I believe fundamentally that constraint inspires creativity. If I give you a red paintbrush and I ask you to paint, you know, this uh, this canvas over here, you're gonna wait because you have all these people watching you, and you know you don't want to make the, the mark, you don't want to mess it up. If I give you that same red paintbrush and give you a business card to paint, you do it right away because it's so easy, it's so approachable and so small. So that constraint really inspires people to be more of the moment and, and, uh, and more conversational. And it's very, very important to us. So even though there's a lot of fun stuff on Twitter, and I like to see the fun, silly memes, I know you do as I well, do. Susan. Yes. But yeah. uh, besides just this, the fun, silly stuff, um, Jack did talk about the reach, the global reach, really, of Twitter. What struck me is uh, how he mentioned, and it's true, it's a great equalizer. We always defend the voice of the people using us. We will fight governments if we have to fight governments. We will do the things necessary we need to do to make sure that our, the, the people using the service always have a voice uh, in the world. And this has been fundamental because of that initial choice of SMS, because someone in the middle of Kenya with a $5 cell phone can have a conversation, the same conversation, and the same information that Justin Bieber has with his four iPod touches or his iPad minis um, spread around his electric car. Um, <laughs> same conversation, same technology, same uh, person in Kenya can have the same conversation, the same reach as President Obama, right? So that's really magical, it truly levels the playing field. Jack describes how the benefit of going deep as opposed to broad in business. And the core concepts around this is just the idea of simplicity, getting something down to its base essence. And a lot of businesses, I think, get in the habit of going broad as they build, and they add more and more and more things. And people add more and more and more things, because it's easy to do, but very few go deep. So I would rather build businesses and as a human, as a person, I would rather go deep than broad. And what that means is that we're constantly asking the question, why? Why is this important? Why are we doing this? Because you always get a great answer that allows you to figure out some deeper essence of what you're doing. And all of that's good background for Jack's earlier businesses that really led him and led them here in Stockton to talk about Square, the online payment platform. Uh, Square, again, didn't start as a company, didn't start as a desire for a company. It started as a problem. The problem was my co-founder, Jim McKelvey, could not sell this piece of glass art. And he couldn't sell it, not because of the looks, but because he couldn't accept credit cards. Right? This is actually a, a glass faucet. This is something that uh, water pours out of. Um, and uh, he, was, uh, he was trying to sell this, and he couldn't accept credit cards. And uh, we had, you know, he called me on his iPhone, and I had my iPhone, and we both had these general purpose computers next to our ear, and we asked the question, like, why couldn't Jim accept a credit card? Why couldn't he, why couldn't he do that? Um, and we decided to answer that question, and the answer to the question was the company itself, um, and we call it Square. So the thing that we learned when we started asking that question, why can't Jim 
accept a credit card is that it's extremely complicated. It looks a lot like this. It's a complete mess. So, so at this point, Jack shows a image of a bunch of different credit card terminals, all that have different buttons and different functions, and they're all insanely complicated looking. And it was interesting that a handful of local business owners in the audience all kind of gasped. You have all of these terrible, terrible systems, um, all this ugly hardware, all these things that really remove the customer from the seller uh, and the buyer from the seller. And then you have all this stupid looking hardware, but also you have to learn how to use it and it breaks down all the time. And you also have to pay for the hardware, you have to buy the hardware. Some of these terminals are $900. And then you have to get a merchant account. So we recognized that and we said, what can we do to bring this down to the simplest thing so that someone can use the device they already own, which is their phone, their iPhone, their iPad, or their Android device, plug in something simple, and then immediately start accepting payments. Right? So we designed the Square Reader. And we decided we're going to give the reader away for free. It plugs into the headphone jack of your phone because a credit card is actually a cassette. Like if you look on the back of your credit card, there's a magnetic strip, which is the same technology as your cassette tape that you used to play Bon Jovi on. Right? <laughs> right. I played Bon Jovi on. Um, slippery when wet. Um, so it's very simple. You slide it across, turns into audio. Audio turns into digital. Digital turns into numbers that we can read. We send it up to the credit card systems, and then it's charged. So we want to build a company. We want to build a product and a service that is as timeless and as elegant and as inspiring as this. And we believe payments can't be that, but commerce can be that. Um, and that's why our mission is to make commerce easy, uh, to make it simple for everyone to really focus on what they want to focus on, what they're building and what they're doing, instead of having to focus on all the mechanical aspects of payments and businesses and mechanics. Focus on what you love, focus on your passion, and leave all the rest to, to disappear. So that's what I wanted to present. I wanted to open it up for questions, and I think we have uh, time. Remember, um, this is a this is a dialogue, ideally. So please don't just bring questions, but bring ideas. I like that Jack pointed out um, the positive energy of commerce and how their company wants to make that easy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, there was a it was a high energy event. Lots of people, lots of people excited to to meet the founder of Twitter and Square, but lots of local business owners asking questions that, about how they can grow their business. And uh, I really like the fact that, you know, he really conveyed the fact that Square's goal is to let business owners focus on their core business, on their passion, on what they love. Not the mechanical aspects, as he put it, of, of their work, but their actual work. Um, I think that really resonated with, uh, certainly resonated with me, but appeared to have resonated with the uh, local business owners, I would say. Yeah, keep it simple. I think that was a key um, component of his speech and really important in, in doing business. In addition to Square and Valley Brew, 
The Mile stepped in and lent a hand to get this event going. Mimi Nguyen, Miracle Mile Improvement District. And what did she think of the event? The event is um, Let's Talk Stockton. The folks from Square felt like it was important to reach out to the folks in Stockton. Um, there are already people here using the product, and it was a great way for them to build um, additional knowledge for the folks that already were using the product, and then to really share some new things that um, the folks from Square are creating. Secondly, I think that it's a really good fit for Stockton as more and more small businesses are developing and they're on shoestring budgets, they're just starting, and instead of having to lease out an entire um, POS system, now they're able to be mobile, it's simple, they can move it, they can go off-site, and they have more opportunities to increase their business. Okay, so uh, Mimi looked like a full house tonight. Would you consider tonight's event a success? Absolutely. I think that... Um, Folks from the community came out to support Jack Dorsey, but I think more importantly, they came out to support um, the Miracle Mile, they supported Valley Brew, and they were able to come together as a community and support a product that can better their business. And after the event, we got a chance to talk with some of the attendees. Uh, my name is Marianne McCarroll, and my business is Marianne's Pantry. And what brought her to the event? And what did you take away from that? Well, I've been using Square since about May of 2011, and I love it. And I didn't realize that he was also the founder of Twitter. And I thought, well, of course I want to go hear what this guy has to say if it's right here in my own town. And was it worth her time to come out to the event? Absolutely. I'm just more enthused than ever just to use technology, and I am going to use the Square Market. I'm just at the point of wanting to do, uh, like, the push the buttons and pay for products, so I think I'm just going to go with Square Market after being here tonight. Thank you. And lastly, we spoke with the organizer from Square that helped put on this event. My name is Emily Ritter, and I work at Square. I'm on the communications team. We're here in Stockton tonight to talk with local business owners about starting, running, and growing their businesses. And Jack Dorsey, our CEO, was here to present his story and the story of Twitter and Square and how we can help businesses grow. I was so pleased to see um, this caliber of presentation in Stockton. Um, and I, I was curious, how, how did Stockton get picked for this? Well, that's a great question. Um, we started this event series in San Francisco. Uh, we started it in our own backyard to test out an idea. We really at Square like to start small and test our ideas before we make them big. And um, we thought we were onto something. We really love to get out in the community and talk with our customers and and hear their ideas and their struggles and and it's really good to bring that back internally as we build our products and um, and so we thought this was a small idea that was pretty cool so let's make it bigger and so we want to take it across the country and we thought like let's like keep slowly moving outside of our, our our little backyard and so we went to Oakland and we had a great event there and a really awesome turnout and then we said all right what's a little bit further out and we thought all right Stockton that's an hour and a half drive let's go do it and see how it works there and I've been amazed by the turnout and it's really exciting to to see that Square is just as helpful here as it is in the big city and people really love it. And from Square's perspective, was this event successful? Well, as the RSVP started coming in, I was very, very pleased. Um, and then a ton of people showed up, so it's been a great event. I just thought that was such a great event for Stockton. I, I left there so amazed by the different circles of people that were there, the diversity. There was everything from college students to um, business owners, small and large. And I, I felt like Jack uh, kind of came to town and sprinkled a little inspiration on us. And to have a company as big as Twitter, 
um, who has 500 million users sending 58 million tweets a day. Um, good for us, Stockton. Yeah, definitely. And to see that he's grown what started off as as problems and turned them into businesses. I mean, Twitter is huge. Square is is getting huge already, and you know, with over three million accounts and transacting over 12 billion dollars a year, um, Square is certainly growing into look at our local small businesses and finding ways for them, as Jack said, to make commerce easy and you know, having a flat fee, 2.75% for a swiped transaction. Um, certainly makes it a lot easier than the rest of the merchants, um, uh, the rest of the banks offering merchant services, but you know, they have lots of different pricing, uh, other pricing models out there. They have a bunch of different products, Square Wallet, allow you to walk into a business and, uh, and pay without even um, taking your phone out of your pocket and square cash where you can send money from an individual to an individual. Some, um, all that stuff you can read more on. Uh, we'll have links in the show notes, obviously, at podcaststockton.com. But visit squareup.com for all the information on Square. Thanks for listening to Podcast Stockton. Please share your feedback or ideas for future shows with us and call our listener line at 565 565- 3229 or email us at podcaststockton at gmail.com The music from today's episode was The Pie Man by Michael Parsons Project. Find them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Michael Parsons Project. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter username Podcast Stockton. And for links to all of the things we talked about on today's episode make sure you visit podcaststockton.com Tell a friend And until next time, make it great, Stockton.